0: Ready! World, world class.
1: Do not your eyes. This is the beautiful game described by two ugly gentlemen. Glory to Columbus! Who are probably sitting
0: at a soccer bar near you. McBride's in the box, a hard cross. McBride scores! It's 3-0. United you know, States. Welcome
1: to Bone and Beam soccer podcast day. What is up? I am bone and I am beam. Lots to get into in this episode today. We will talk about uh, one American soccer star who is on the move to team America in England. So we get a little update on that from the biggest lead supporter ever. Yours truly. Yep. Coming up about uh, Weston McKinney and his move. We'll also talk about the amount of money that Chelsea spent in this Mm. last year on transfers as the international transfer window has closed for the winter window.
0: It's six months, seven
1: months. Oh, yeah, right. It's not even been a year. Exactly. It's summer and the winter, but we'll get into that. We'll talk about just the spending in general in England compared to the rest of Europe because that's also insane. Uh, we'll get into all that coming up later, but we figured we'd start on the this side of the pond because uh, we haven't talked a ton of MLS, but in the off season, of course, a longer off season than normal in some ways because this last season was compressed and then you had a World Cup. And now we're getting back to it, though. Uh, what? Less than uh, four or five weeks away?
0: Yeah, I of 24, 25 days as of soccer podcast day. So okay. we're inside
1: the four-week mark. Yeah. All right. So we're getting there. And I, it's funny because uh, we could talk about the crew a little bit here because I, I've seen some crew fans, rightfully so, I'm not denigrating this at all, pointing out that this offseason really hasn't felt like much has happened. And I guess, I mean, that is true. Part of that,
0: Other than the hiring of Wilfried Nancy. Well, that's what I was
1: going to say is you had a new manager come in, but that happened, it almost feels like an eternity ago. Was that December? Yeah, I mean, it was right after the World Cup or right around the World Cup happening. But so Wilfried Nancy will be the new manager for this team, we obviously know. So there are some question marks there about what his style will look like. I'm interested to see all that. But then as far as like moves, players coming in, Really haven't seen a ton of that. It's pretty been apathetic. I yeah, say. it's it's creating some apathy, I would say, because there are fans that are just saying, all right, so what is actually happening? Yeah. And I know the team has a lot of, part of the reason you went and got Wilford Nancy was because you feel like we have a lot of talent on this team. Mm-hmm. So let's see if a different coach can speak to that talent in a different way and get them to play better than what they did. We'll find out if that works. But I got to say, like you just I, this is just a minor thing, but going on the crew's website, This doesn't feel like there's a ton of every day there's up, like, you know, preseason for any other sport. It feels like every day there's player interviews, there's updates, there's this. Their Twitter has had some stuff on it. Their socials have been a little bit more active. But the website itself, up you know, a few weeks ago, there was like barely anything on there from the new year. It was like all from December. We got like training camp happening, too. Yeah, That's what I mean. Like, it, it just seems like there's been a little, I don't know. I don't think that's the best way to create buzz for your team is what I'm saying. A little malaise. Right. And that's I'm that's coming from someone who's a diehard Crew fan, longtime soccer fan, someone who watches MLS games and watches the Crew. I don't feel like the buzz has been as palpable. I, I wonder um, because you you do have this aspect of it too. So the new deal for Major League Soccer kicks in this year. Apple TV just uh, started, I think, this week, where you could officially sign up for the MLS package on Apple TV. Yep. That is, all the games, they are all there regardless of if you – there's no, uh, oh, you live in Columbus, you can't get the crew game. No, you can get the crew game. You can literally be in Crew Stadium or Lower.com Field watching a crew game on your phone, I guess, if you want to. Or you can, you know, watch it anywhere else. So this is a good deal, I think, for people who have wanted to watch the crew but did not have Valley Sports. Mm -hmm. I don't know that it's going to be a great deal for the relevance of – major league soccer teams in their local markets because you and i were talking about this before the show beamer about how it's going to be hard to find the casual fans yeah mls is going to struggle to find the people who are like oh i live in this town oh that team that is also here that i barely watch is on before another thing i was going to watch i'll watch the last 20 minutes of their game how are they oh they're winning let's let's see if they can close or it this, out.
0: G- this game is in hand and you know whatever i or I'm I'm watching something else, and the crew are on
1: after. Oh, look! I'll just I'll stay here. I'll stay and watch and see. Oh, yeah! Didn't they sign a guy? Oh, that's cool. Then maybe I'll watch that guy.
0: I'll give you the example of a of a fan who is the most fringe of fringe fans that that you can get. Has lived in Columbus for 40 years. Has worked in radio for forever. It is our morning show producer, Mark the Shark. Yes. So just to give you an idea, Mark the Shark, first of all, has one of the best.
1: Sports brains memories like he's a free he's a savant unreal the stuff he and not just that with anything music he knows stuff like he's just a he's got a great memory and all that yes that's so
0: Mark the Shark watches every single Cleveland Guardians game all right I mean I'm not I'm not joking no when I I tell you that's his thing he watches 162 Cleveland Guardians games front to back Mm -hmm. when he is off when he is on vacation. He records them and watches them at a later date. Like I mean, that's it's psychotic behavior, right? right First right. and foremost, he, for sure. he is
1: a diehard to your point, diehard Cleveland sports fan.
0: And so there have been plenty of times where the Guardians will get done because remember they shared the Bally's deal, yeah, for forever. And there would be plenty of times where you know the crew would play at seven o'clock and the Guardians would play at nine o'clock or vice versa, and one game would be. Wrapping up as the other one was starting or they would have them on the split cha- the alternate channels and shark would be watching a guardians game and that would get over. And then he would just go to the crew game and catch the last twenty minutes. And this is basically the interaction for Mark the Shark and I, soccer-wise. Like he was told me, if Cristiano Ronaldo walked in this room right now, I'd have no clue who he was. Lionel right. Messi, the same right. thing.
1: So like he is by far. You might know just because there'd be a security team that would sweep the floor yeah. before they the would ever like they'd be like checking for devices and stuff, and then they'd let him come <laughs> yeah. in, and you'd be like, well, I don't know who this guy is, but he seems important.
0: So I mean, the most fringe of fringe, I wouldn't even call him a soccer fan. No, he just, just he a watches, sports fan yeah. who knows soccer and it, if knows it, about. Soccer. if it happened to be that the crew were in his path yeah of tv surfing he
1: would turn them on because he also is someone who appreciates the local teams here of course he's lived in columbus like you've said for a very long time watches jackets games right he picks all this stuff up so just the
0: the most neutral basic fan that you can get like knows kucho hernandez knows lucas all knows a couple other guys knows about wolfrey nancy and that might just be part of his job but whatever so you're losing out, and again, I mean, this is a whole bigger issue, and when we get into streaming, like, are crew fan, are, are you going to pay the $99 a month or $79 a year, or I guess it's a year? Uh, I believe it's $14.99 a month, and $80 a year or $100 a year, I don't have that. Yeah,
1: I forget. I think it's if you're a current Apple TV subscriber or, like, if you sign up for Apple TV and get their whole th- deal then you would pay twenty dollars less as opposed to if you're just like, I don't want Apple TV, I just want this service, which MLS I would, package. I'll have access to just this on Apple TV. Then I think it's like a hundred bucks or something.
0: All right. So I'm gonna buy it. Yeah, I'm gonna buy it. You're gonna buy it. Neighbor Eric is gonna buy it. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody who probably listens to this podcast. Who's a crew fan? Who is a crew fan? Is gonna buy it. Is going
1: to buy it. Or you've got it with your season ticket, which is another deal that is good. But you've also also pumped money
0: actively into the crew.
1: Yeah, which uh, that's what I'm saying is you're either an already bought and paid for MLS fan or you're someone who's like, I really like this local team and maybe I don't watch as much MLS. Maybe I'll watch more because of this. I certainly will watch more because I have this package and I'm sure it'll be highlighted more for me of like, oh, hey, this is coming up. I'll same thing you were saying with like i'll go to watch a crew game and be like oh they do have something on this other team a documentary about them or uh, they signed a new player what's this dude all about they got some little feature on him i might watch that and then if they've got a game coming up right after a crew game i'd say oh all right i'm interested to watch see how they're doing 10 15 minutes especially if it's eastern conference and it's a team the crew are like going to play in the next few weeks maybe it's a big you know battle to see who's going to Win this spot in the playoffs or something? Yeah, I'll, I'll tune into other games because of that, like I already do anyway.
0: Yeah. So, and here's here's my issue with this: is if you were not actively seeking out the crew, then what would be the benefit of me paying a hundred dollars a year to watch this team? Like, if I'm not going to be watching them on a religious basis, and I'm I'm going to watch, you know, one game, or I, let's say I want to watch the Cincinnati game, right? I want to watch both Cincinnati games. I'll sign up for Apple TV for two months just to get those games, thirty bucks. Or if you're not going to the game, whatever, like you're not yeah. going to get the most casual and, and of casual
1: fan. And on I, I that, don't, I think at least one of those games will be on network like ESPN or FS1 or whatever. One of the, because there's still going to be a few games like that every year that are going to be on national yeah. TV, national quotes TV, but
0: yeah. So you're not making it easy for the casual fan to support. And again, I don't know MLS's business model. You know, I, I don't know if they said, well, we've tried for years. Of doing the regional TV in the whole Valley Midwest, Valley was a the mess. Regional, the For whatever sports, that's worth, that that yeah. if
1: you didn't look into all that, we don't we don't have to go into that here. But no. just know this: they spent they they basically bought a house in 2007, and then got the most ridiculous interest rate ever. Yeah. Thinking, well, housing values will never crash. And then 2008 happened; the market crashed. Yep. Sports marketing, the the. There still is a huge demand for national networks of NBA deals, NFL deals, Mm -hmm. because it's content for these giant sports networks. They need it. The local sports networks, you run into a much different issue where people are much more likely to say, I'll watch those games occasionally, or I will go to some of these games, or I will follow it online and maybe check in in the fourth quarter or whatever if a game's good.
0: I'm not going to watch your 24-7 content.
1: Yeah, Essentially, Bally Sports looked at the NFL. Uh, these these regional sports networks looked at the NFL and said, We'll be lucrative like that. And nothing like the NFL. Yeah. Nothing else exists like the NFL. So they unfortunately, their creditors and stuff now are left holding the bag. And that is that is its own mess in and of itself. But Major League Soccer, I think, in some ways had right instincts to say, we don't want to be a part of that ecosystem sure. anymore. And it's always been like are we going to get the best coverage? Are we going to get bumped off for nine other sports yeah. that are on this network? Are you going to have us on like a third tier channel? Mm-hmm. So there's always been that struggle depending on the market. Now they don't have to worry about it. Everybody gets equal access on Apple TV. So they inherently,
0: inherently, is a good thing. It's yes, in theory. But, but again, you lose out on the accessibility of someone stumbling into your product.
1: Yes. Well, to that point, I think it becomes very difficult to develop fans into diehard fans other than like their marketing campaigns now need to be. You should come to one of our games. Yeah. Like, because honestly, but in seat. Yeah. You have to focus on that as your marketing going forward. And I'm not an expert on television necessarily, or how to run a sports team, but I would like to think Beamer, you and I have a little bit of experience on building an audience and attracting an audience. That's mm-hmm. our job here as much as it's to talk about sports or on this podcast, talk about soccer. Like we, our goal is to build an audience and to keep that audience entertained and keep them wanting to come back. The difficulty with that is you have two ways of doing it, at least in our business, right? You have what you see with sports radio traditionally has been for the last 30 plus years, Mm -hmm. which is let's cover everything. Let's talk about everything. Let's be everything to every person who likes sports in our area. So we, on our, regular show we talk Buckeyes we talk NFL we talk college hoops we talk NHL whatever's in season right and we try to be knowledgeable about a little of each of that because we know we're going to catch the guy who watches some jackets games Buckeye stuff and some NFL or the guy who watches no jackets but all NFL or the person who really loves jackets couldn't give a crap about anything else we want to get all those people Mm -hmm. what So that's one way to do our business. The other way is to do what we're doing here, which is, hey, here's a podcast specifically focused to one interest. Mm -hmm. And even this really isn't the best version of that. No, because it's it's very broad. Soccer is a 100 different sports leagues. But, you know, if you're like mad about hoops,
0: like Timmy and Colin, all they do is college basketball.
1: All they do is college basketball. Right. So those are two different ways to do the same thing. The sports talkie thing. Television is now going in that same direction where you can be all things to all people, general, you know, interest like that or you can say hey who needs all that we have our own network it's just this sport you really like this sport come and follow it or in major league soccer's case just this league it's not a soccer it's not fox soccer right back in the day which was it awesome is, yeah it is just and, and i in some ways that's good it's here's all the mls games mm-hmm. one low price you get it you never have to worry about it the rest of the year renews once a year you're good that's, I mean, think, that's, that's a very good deal. And for a lot of MLS fans for a lot of years, that would have been a no-brainer to pay 100 bucks and see every MLS game yeah. done. What concerns me is there's no other, like, we offer all of our daily shows on a podcast, mm-hmm. which if you just want to hear Morning Juice and you don't like any of our other shows, you can get Morning Juice. So we have those people who are doing the Apple TV version of Morning Juice. Yeah. But then we also have all the other shows We have Ohio State football games, basketball games, jackets games, crew games, because we hope that some of that will catch other people. And then they might find morning juice and go, oh, hey, I like that, too. That's Mm -hmm. cool. I'm going to listen to that along with all this other stuff. That's what they're now they've cut off half the business, essentially. And I don't know, maybe there's a lot of people in the league office who think it's worth it to lose that because we're going to grow such a stronger core that we don't need it. Our core audience will support us. I mean, in some ways, being where they've kind of gone the OnlyFans route, really, is what they they said. (laughs) (laughs) Just click the link in bio, and now you pay this fee, and you don't have to go searching for what you want. It's right here. However you want to slice this, they're basically saying the core audience is what we're aiming for. We'll pick up people because this league will grow, not the sport of soccer. Sport of soccer can grow independently of MLS. Right. Oh yeah, of course. World can. Cup can be the biggest thing ever, and MLS can lose in the ratings.
0: I think you could look. They're at not the,
1: necessarily related.
0: Premier League's popularity here in the U.S. Over, the, I mean, the last twenty Absolutely. years. Absolutely. Just take a look at it. Where it was two decades ago, where it was a decade ago, where it was five years ago, where it is now.
1: I look at the. It's the same way as, well, if motorsports is popular, then all the motorsports things will get bigger. F1. That's, that's the same as. Yeah. If F1 is growing, does that mean NASCAR and IndyCar are growing? Right. Not necessarily. Yes. And that's where I think you as MLS have to be aware you're not necessarily just all of soccer pot. You're not Manchester United, you're major league soccer. So it's a very specific thing you're trying to sell. And I'm, I'm hopeful that they can do it, but I don't know how this is going to work.
0: So I have an interesting tweet here and this came from mark burns and mark burns writes about sports i'm just literally reading his tw- twitter bio yeah, right yeah. now and this has okay. nothing to do with mls but this is about the nhl because remember the okay. nhl they did a similar deal with espn plus right so they've got the games on tnt they've got some games on espn and then they've went to a heavy streaming option you know that if you're a jackets fan you're very aware you know of espn plus and there's still Bally sports that you're dealing with but i i found this to be interesting when comparing it because uh just I'll just read it. NHL US TV national viewership is down 22% this season. Okay. Per findings from Austin Carp, NHL regular games to date have averaged 373,000 viewers on ESPN TNT, second season of the league's 7-year pact with Disney and Turner. NHL averaged 478,000 viewers
1: at this point last season. Yeah. I- that's a that's a concern for sure. Like there's no way to slice that for the NHL and, and they have. I don't. Changed. I don't know if
0: that means it's going to be the exact same for MLS no. when it comes to the streaming platform because they are they're different, very different deals. But yeah. when you lean into something heavy, like you're doing a super specific, like Crew fans will do with the Crew and buying Apple TV, those other games on ESPN or Fox or what whatever is going to be broadcasting them. Your national TV audience will go down because why do I need to watch this? It doesn't matter. I paid for Apple TV. I'm going to do that.
1: Here, here's the rub that I think each MLS team struggles with, and this is what they're going to have to figure out marketing-wise. And I'm sure they have already formed their plans on this, but I'm just, I'm telling you, here's the rub for marketing MLS teams, individual teams in their local markets. Your rub is you either say, like we just talked about, I think the best strategy is to get butts in seats because one, get people down to the stadium, you get paid for that immediately. You get cash in hand. Mm-hmm. They buy a, they buy merchandise when they're there. They gate buy revenue. you get the gate revenue, but you also get all the you know uh, concessions mm-hmm. revenue and parking and oh and and I will want to come back to this because this was a fun time and that in and of itself is going to be more lucrative in the short term. But the rub is maybe what they should do is go out and kind of undercut that and go to the fans and say hey, you're not willing to spend to spend. $800 plus dollars per seat mm-hmm. on a season ticket, $700 plus per seat on a season ticket. And if you bring yourself and a friend and get a few beers and buy a shirt, oh, yeah. you're going to be in for $100, just the two of you, anyway, at most of our games. You could spend that $100 and watch every game we ever play this year on this channel. Mm-hmm that might actually long-term be the better play. Because if you get the person watching every year and they're like, I love the crew, I watch every game now, and I'm really excited. And know, I, I watch did like MLS soccer, and
0: this is fascinating to me.
1: They will then possibly want to come out and experience that live. Got to see it live. But <laughs> the problem is – Got to see it live. I mean, I know for me, look, I don't feel great about – I where our family situation is, we have three kids, I live a little ways out from the city, mm-hmm. and – we have kids in activities. Yeah. So I buying a season ticket, buying two season tickets, and then rotating a kid with me or Melissa takes one of the kids, that's in and of itself an expense we can't justify, let alone buying a full family's even half season ticket or a package. It's just not in our, it's not in where we are right now in life. $100 for me? Done because yeah. I can go back and watch the games whenever I have time. I can watch them in the evening after the game's over. Right, I can check it out. I'm at home. I can watch with the kids while they're doing something. I can watch it on a different device if they want to watch a movie or something. I'm just saying that fits where I am, so I'll do that. And I have every desire to go back and watch games live, and we will do that occasionally this year. I'm just saying. I wonder how many people they're going to be able to get who don't really care about soccer in their town. That huge growth market they still need to hit. Yeah now that they won't just casually find it on Valley. Maybe the answer right. is they're going to market it so well, it won't matter. They'll get people to the games. They'll sell them on that $100 deal, and you get all of this stuff for nothing. Maybe some MLS non-fans will just see it on Apple TV and go, oh, the crew's on here. Purchase, you know? But that's going to be very rare compared to I, I would, I would be the people hard, who would be flipping across a Valley Sports and just see it.
0: I would be hard-pressed to see that that won't be very rare.
1: Yeah, right. So, like, you
0: know what I mean? Like, randomly scrolling and be like, oh, 100 bucks, sweet, for a whole year. Or 15 bucks because this is a game that I want to watch. Like, I I don't know. I I don't know how it's going to pan out.
1: Yeah. So, that is an experiment that we're going to keep a close eye on. But
0: it also sucks that they got rid of, like, the local broadcasters. Oh, I know. Well, it sucks. It's interesting. We talked about
1: that a few weeks ago. I saw it. Jordan Angeli is going to be. Like, it's—I don't know if you saw how they did all that. So she's going to be part of the broadcast team, but then they specifically said she'll be with the Colorado Rapids. Like, so I'm, like— So we're going to get a broadcast team. So we have a broadcast team with the Colorado Rapids, but the crew don't seem to—like, I've heard no news about anything on that. I mean, I—this just in, I work in the industry. Yeah. Like, I mean, I— I know we are, as far as I know, hopeful to have them still on the air here. Is that's my understanding? I haven't I haven't asked anybody, but I've not heard anything like, "Hey, crew aren't going to be back." Like, right. I we're working on that. I'm sure I'm sure that's getting done, and I would assume Chris Doran's a part of that because that's I just saw him here a few weeks ago. Like, yeah. he Doran's a good dude. Like, I'm and I'm glad that we have him on the fan. But my point is, like, Neil Sika was not in any of those announcements. Yeah, and I'm not sure what the plan is there with him. I've not heard. So all I know is this. People like Neil Sika are what you need mm-hmm. if you're going to sell the crew yeah. to people who don't currently watch it. You need people who understand the team for 20-plus years, have followed this team, the team, been culture, around it, they the know Understand the history, it.
0: they know the city. They, yes, yeah,
1: yeah. you cannot afford to lose people like that. And now when you're selling them on MLS games, I'm sure if there are local broadcast teams for some select markets, the crew aren't going to be one of them. No. I almost guarantee you that. Because that's just how MLS rolls. But a lot of these people that I saw, their names are associated with LAFC or New York teams, or like they've or Portland, or like they're the darlings of those yeah. large places where they have big fan bases. That's who they're. That's who they're aiming at. I just hope the crew doesn't get lost in the shuffle like they always tend to do with MLS. But
0: hope is not a strategy, Bone.
1: Yeah, you're right. Um, do we want to get into this Rexham stuff? Because I saw there was a little bit of weird backlash with this. <laughs> because I'm not sure exactly how it started. Wrexham is a thing. It was on ESPN. Like the the show has taken off. And then there was some like clap back from MLS fans and then more clap back to the MLS fans. I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll take a break. We'll come back and we'll sort that all out and talk about some other English soccer stuff when we get back. You're listening to Bone and Beam United. Now back to Bone and Beam United. Welcome back to Bone and Beam United. Uh, By the way, I saw one of the crew fans had made a uh, bluey cartoon, but it was in the black and gold colors, and it was labeled crewy. And I think someone was saying initially that needs to be a two-stick. That needs to be on a shirt. I know you can't. It's probably not legal to do that. It's copyright. But, yeah, I I hope the crew fans in the Nordec are able to get a bluey song chant going this year. I think it would work. I think we could get that done. Because that Bluey's got a great intro song. If you never heard it, you should. I'm sure
0: I will be watching some Bluey here in the next couple of years. Yeah. Oh yeah. You you got the young tyke on the way.
1: That's on the back burner. Let me tell you, don't don't give him an option. Just start throwing Bluey on.
0: I'm just gonna start throwing crew games on.
1: Well, that's what I'm saying. But like, I'm just saying, you you don't have to get sucked into necessarily Caillou or like Dora the Explorer if those are not your jam. (laughs) I'm just saying, you don't sound like those are your jam. They're not. But you should watch a few cartoons now. Get ahead of the game. Figure out what you like, and then say, "Hey, looky here, boom!" And then just put it on. And Rick and Morty, sure, why not? Start him off right. Pickle Rick in his in his on his mobile, right over the uh, crib there. I think that'd be great. <laughs> um, so, speaking of television and getting people to watch things, we talked a lot about that. The first segment, um, there was a, a the the Welcome to Wrexham documentary series
0: docu-series
1: yes with Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds Mm who uh, purchased the team and then of course have turned that into an FXX yeah show have you watched any of it I didn't I still need to watch it or is it on Hulu too
0: uh I'm sure it's on yeah
1: it's on something whichever one has Fox stuff I think that's Hulu anyway but you know this is this is something that has become a thing people have gotten into that story this is a fifth division team they're with the shrimpers yeah. In case you do, you're, I mean they're you're, they're you're down with south end. Yeah, this is this is essentially conference the top, premiere. Right. It it's is. the top four top, I mean, top four leagues or so of English soccer tend to be kind of viewed as like we're professional. The fifth, that when it, it gets, gets down dicey. To, when you get to the fifth one, that's where it starts to get a little bit like we're still a professional team, right? Like and then beyond that, like yeah, <laughs> gets real dicey. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying, like, they are down there quite a bit. So I believe how this all started, correct me if I'm wrong, Beamer, was that it seemed like some MLS fans were like, because they put a Wrexham game where they were in whatever, Carabao Cup, FA FA Cup. Cup.
0: Yeah. Uh, They're not in the Carabao Cup.
1: United are in the uh, the Carabao Cup final. Okay, FA Cup. Sorry, I forgot. How dare I? (laughs) Wrexham's in there, and they put it on ESPN because ESPN has the rights to this. And they saw, oh, hey, Wrexham's a thing. People in the U.S. like this. Let's throw it on ESPN. No problem with that. He was only on the
0: stream. It was only on ESPN+. Plus.
1: Okay. Well, some people had a problem with it apparently because they said, Hey, you're gonna do that because there's all these American fans who want to watch it, but they don't watch MLS. That's pretty lame. If you're an, if you're a fan of Wrexham and you live in America but you don't watch MLS, this is worse soccer than MLS. What's your excuse? Now, before we go further with that, I just want to say, as a longtime MLS fan, I understand the frustration because I hate getting lectured by actual euro snobs who are like i could never deem mls worthy of my time you see i my selective soccer iq <laughs> not allow me to watch your pathetic domestic league i must watch the best of the best premier league champions league etc but then they're like oh rexham is on yes splendid love let's watch it from cleveland and it's like okay that's annoying it is annoying because you're not now. You've just thrown your other argument out the uh, completely out the window, and yeah. you're saying I just really like and I like the story.
0: Yeah, you saying you like the FA Cup. If you're that kind of a person, you don't. You don't like the
1: FA well, Cup. Well, you like. I get it's fine to like a story, but then don't of course. So then just admit when you watch Manchester United, Manchester City, Chelsea, Juventus, whatever your team. I'm not trying to select any one team. I'm just saying you like the story of that team. You like that it's a hundred years old and there's families that have grown up, lived and died and never seen their team win anything. And yet they still get tattoos of the logo on them. And you think that's cool. That's fine. Just admit that that's what it is. And it has nothing to do with the quality of play. So I would consider myself a Euro snob. Um, well, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider you that, but go ahead. I'll, I'll tell you why I don't think. So you're a I,
0: I enjoy, and I've said, I've said this since day one, since we've started this podcast yeah. and this was five years ago now, which is hard to believe. I enjoy the product of the Premier League better than MLS. I just – it's, I do. I do. I like that better, and that's more than what I watch. I watch more random Premier League games probably than any other sport in any other league. Yeah, like uh, Brighton right. and Newcastle are on? Sure. Okay, let's turn that out on. on uh, Southampton and Leeds? Yeah, sure. I'm going to watch. I mean, if you uh, – a midweek – San Antonio Spurs, Memphis Grizzlies game. I'm not watching. Have no idea what's going on. Oakland A's against the Athletics I, or against the Angels. I like I, that.
1: They play themselves. Yes, That's they good. do
0: play themselves. Uh, <laughs> like I, I, I'm not watching. So, like, I watch more of that league than any other league throughout the calendar year than any. I just Probably I enjoy.
1: Probably outside, outside of the NFL. Yes, I guess. correct. Yeah, right. And so I, I get that. So what I'm saying is I don't think that makes you a Euro snob for this reason. Because you don't look at MLS and say, I won't watch it. No. You just say, I will watch the local team that I yeah. have here. And then because of that, I may get into some other games. But you don't feel that that soccer is not worth your time. Like, you just, you, like, it's a small delineation. But what I'm saying is there are people who legitimately will live 10 minutes from a stadium and say, I've never been to a game. Why? I don't care. Oh, who's your team? Everton. Yeah. And you're like, well, have you ever been to England? No. Okay, like so, you're a diehard Everton fan. You got a hundred jerseys in your house. Let you live. Be a fan however you want, but don't say that MLS fans are stupid or inferior or oh, not yeah, good at nev- soccer. That's never, a, like, that's, that's never been a thought that's never been a thought. That's what I'm saying. Mind. You're not that guy. There are people who genuinely lecture MLS fans on like you're stupid for liking this thing, <laughs> but they will pick their argument based on whatever it is. So like when the Wrexham stuff came up, mm-hmm. it was oh our soccer's not good enough, but you can watch Wrexham. Then that became I like the story, and it's like, oh, okay. There was a guy Carter Krishnire who has been a soccer writer for a while. He posted a bunch of tweets that kind of had this vein, and and it it crystallized exactly what annoys me about the Euro snobs, and that is, at one point, I'm paraphrasing, but I think I'm pretty close to what he said. He essentially said MLS fans will never get why people like me like Wrexham, and it's not because of the quality of soccer. Yeah, yeah, it's well, he's. He was posting it, saying, "MLS fans will never get this because for us, it's not about the soccer; it's about the story, and there's and it's uh, it's authentic, it's community, and MLS fans can't understand that. And if you want to say that Don Garber and MLS do a lot of astroturfy fake stuff, I'm totally with you on that. In fact, you're preaching to the choir to most MLS fans. But if you're going to say that soccer fans in America can't understand community or can't understand passion," can't understand local stories. That's a bad take. It is because obviously save the crew is a thing that is going to come up instantly with that. But there are so many other stories of go, go talk to New York fans about being Red Bulls fans, Red Bulls, you know, before that they were Metro stars fans. Right. You don't think there's a little story behind how they felt about that. You don't think they have some intricacies to their dealings with, yeah, I buy Red Bulls crap now, but I really wish we were called the Metro stars. Mm-hmm. And there's probably another faction that say, I hated the Metro stars name. I'm glad we changed. Yeah. Red, Red Bulls much cooler and then there's a third faction that's like, we're City FC fans. And then it's like, oh, are you? And then, the, yeah, like, right. you don't think there's some drama there between just those factions? Of course there is.
0: Used to be crew fans. Now we have FC Cincinnati. I, it's, of course. Yeah, you could say yes. it for any team.
1: But any the team. argument that comes down is like, well, you fans will never have the authenticity. You never have the story does of
0: authenticity. Mean, just because you're 150, years old, does that it mean it's
1: authentic? It means you're a hundred years old, and so then when MLS teams are a hundred years old, it'll be like, well, you're not two hundred years old. Yeah, it's right. Like, I mean, it's just it's stupid. <laughs> yeah. Like, right. So, like Wrexham, like whatever you like, I don't care. But I also feel like some of the Wrexham people, it's like I remember when they had you know Sunderland till I die. I like I've been a Sunderland fan before that but subtle so until I die was a well, thing me, let me that ask- got a lot of people into it. And that's cool. I'm glad that story connected with people. All right. There's nothing wrong with that.
0: I was going to say, let me ask you a question then, because I know there's a, there's a, a population of fans to when a spotlight gets, br- get, gets brought on them. And I would be anxious to, and I, to be full disclosure, I've watched like three episodes of the show. I don't, I'm not a religious watcher of the show. I think it's very cool. I would like to watch it. I just haven't had time. I get, it's not, I get a, it. Yeah, you not. You're not it's not
1: like the number one thing you've watched and you had to watch every episode.
0: I was just, when it, when it comes to this and perception, like if you, you know, grew up in Wrexham and you were a fan or you, like, you know, you, you grew up a Sunderland fan or whatever, and then you get some big TV production made out of you and you become very popular and perhaps successful, perhaps not. Right, I don't right. know what's going to happen. I think they're first in conference premiere. Like they've got a lead and they drew their FA Cup game. Uh, that everybody was complaining oh, about Sheffield that they played against. Yeah, yeah, so it was three, it was three two, and then they gave up an equalizer in like the ninety fourth minute. It oh, was crazy. Right. Um, how do you how do you feel about that when it, your team's been your team for so long, and they're maybe not the most popular, and then something like that comes along, and it's like, oh, I'm just going to glom onto this thing because it's the new cool thing.
1: I I can understand how people would get annoyed by that. I personally love it. Yeah. If if like if the crew suddenly had a thing. They were on the the what's the TV show that Fox did? Welcome to
0: Oh yeah, Flatch or Fletch
1: or something, mm-hmm. whatever like that. The fa- like that didn't have the same cachet as Welcome to Rexham, obviously. Sure. But the whole point yeah. is, if that had turned the crew into like, oh my gosh, Billy Eilish is wearing like if crew Ted stuff Lasso now. was yes. coaching the crew. Ted Lasso was coaching the crew, and yeah. everybody bought crew gear yeah. and all. that. Stuff. like, I'm sure there would be annoying parts of that where it's like, oh okay, you don't really know anything about 2008 or 2020. Even you don't have any idea. You can't name two players on our team. I get that would be annoying, but ultimately I would be thrilled to see the crew getting so much love. Yeah. Maybe I'd get frustrated if ticket prices like tripled <laughs> and I could never go to a game because yeah. I just couldn't afford them or I could never get the seats. That would be frustrating. There would be issues with that, no doubt. But I think ultimately that would be a positive, not a negative. So I think the Wrexham fans, I'm guessing probably a lot of them view it as a positive and are glad that their town's getting highlighted and that a lot of attention's being brought to it. There's yeah. probably also a, a portion of the fan base that's, Hates everything always and would say that sucks. And well, and that's just being a soccer these people fan, They don't know who any of these people are. <laughs> yeah. And right, I think that's that's probably going to happen no so matter so
0: what. Something interesting that's happened to Manchester United over the I think, recent weeks. I think it was a week ago or two weeks ago. They posted this. So you're very you're familiar with the Stretford End, right? Yep. Um, so I don't know if you're aware of this. United, uh, they've sold like not suites but like executive seating in the Stretford End. And the Stretford End was like the Nordic, right? Yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah. it's it's right. exactly the same thing. Like diehard supporters, that's where the songs are coming from. Uh, and everything. So United, actually, being as popular as they are, uh, are putting like safe stands. Yes. in In the Stratford end, and they're taking out like the low seating, and that way they can bring back like the voice of their fans and everything. And I, I thought that was really cool. I mean, because uh, listen, I go over to Manchester, I go to United game, I go to Old Trafford. Like, yeah, I follow this team. I, I don't belong in that. I don't belong in that I section. get that.
1: I get that vibe. I wouldn't want to necessarily just. Oh, I'm a big fan. I'm going to just jump in there and I say I belong that, no. to be in there. Sure, yeah. I understand that. Yeah, I don't think that's a wrong instinct at all. I, I ultimately I look at this. If you want to watch soccer, how you want to watch, of course. It, right. I at the end of the course. day, for me, I am. If I'm an evangelist of anything, as much as I love the crew, I think soccer is a, a great sport. Some have called it the beautiful game. Not sure if you ever heard that. All I'm saying is, <laughs> I love this sport. I think it's awesome. So if you connect to it by watching fifth division English soccer, because Rob McElhaney told you it's cool. Great. Yeah. If you connect to it because your local team is the Columbus crew and all your friends go to these games and that's your community you've established and you don't know anything about the rules of soccer, but you just like having a beer and hanging with your friends and banging on a drum or something. That's awesome. And if you are someone who doesn't attend any MLS games ever, couldn't care a wink about U.S. soccer or anything, but you watch Let's say I don't know third division Turkish soccer, I, like whatever your thing is, or Manchester United, whoever yeah. you watch. As long if you can, if it connects you to this game, then we have some kind of kinship, and that's mm-hmm. what I've always liked about soccer. Is there's always that underline of like, but you appreciate the game, you enjoy it, and you, wh- however you appreciate it, I'm interested to meet people like that and yeah. to learn about why they're into it.
0: I just don't understand why people have to poo-poo like other people's enjoyment. Like, are yes. talking about the same sport. Who gives a flip if it's better?
1: It may like, just be or, this. It may just be a bunch of miserable M- MLS fans then like connected with a bunch of miserable Wrexham Euro snobby people <laughs> and then those two have just been arguing and the rest of us could just sit on the sidelines and be like, look at those idiots go. And and we don't have to even acknowledge it. My maybe I'll that's, the whole thing maybe is that's that it's what I should have done. I don't know.
0: February or January I guess when they played this game. The game was going on at 3 o'clock on a or 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning, ESPN doesn't have the rights to the NFL. They're like, hey, maybe people will watch this on our stream. Let's boost up our numbers.
1: All the, Again, it goes back to <laughs> they're trying to find an audience. They're yeah. attracting – they're trying to bring an audience into this, and I don't think that's a bad thing at all. So that's, that's kind of where I stand on all of that is maybe we should just have <laughs> looked at all that and said, whatever, it has nothing to do with MLS or Wrexham. But I got involved a little bit in the argument just because – I just I don't like MLS fans being denigrated as stupid or unsavvy soccer fans. I think if anything, you could argue the opposite. But I don't even really think that's fair. To it's not like Euro snobs don't watch soccer or don't know what they're talking about. It's it's just this idea that you can't get all of a soccer experience without rooting for a hundred year old team. Mm-hmm. You can. You can. I'm sure there are NWSL teams that have just as much passion. Fans who have just as much passion for that as people who have it in Manchester sure. or in London or in Newcastle or Sunderland or wherever, like, there are plenty of passionate fans for every sport everywhere. There may not be as many of them. There just might be still that passion. And so I don't think we should rip people for their choice of what they bring the passion to, if that makes sense. Um, all right, let's talk about Chelsea. They spent... Other
0: than if you've been, become a City fan in the last five years. <laughs>
1: exactly. Then then there you go. Then we've got a problem. Liverpool fans suddenly out of nowhere. Uh, Well, I've been Uh a fan for 20
0: years. Yeah, sure. you have. Yeah. Hey, by the way, and and if you you think if if you you want to blow on Liverpool and city, go ahead, because that's what I did 20 years ago with
1: United. If you think that's a new thing. Go ask longtime Arsenal fans about Fever Pitch. Yeah. Like, go that book, Fever Pitch, which of course became a dumb movie involving baseball with Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> but the the book it's based on was an Arsenal fan writing about how he went off to college and he tried to get into other things. He tried to not even be an Arsenal fan, but it kept sucking him back in. And this was before Thierry Henry right. and all the greats of yeah. Arsenal that you know in the last twenty years. This is in the like eighties and early nineties when they were terrible. And he wrote that. It's a great book. Go read it. If you haven't, if you're a soccer fan, you should. But Arsenal fans picked up a lot of that. The team picked up a lot of steam off of that where people said, I'll root for Arsenal too because I connect to this book. And then they got good and then they did blossom into an even bigger story. Those That's been happening. Yeah. It always goes like this. So it's totally okay if that's how you got into soccer. Don't worry about it. You're allowed to root for Don't Wrexham. Don't worry about my mean words. You're allowed to be a diehard Wrexham fan or, I <laughs> guess, a Manchester City fan, if we have to. Um, so, uh, look, man, there's a lot of or people. Or a Leeds who, fan. There's a, <laughs> that's right. Thank you. There's a lot of people who spent money on Chelsea jerseys in the last couple of years because a guy named Christian Pulisic was wearing one, mm-hmm. right? And there are going to be a lot of people spending money on Chelsea jerseys going forward. Because
0: And also new jerseys of Christian Pulisic and yes. his new team that he eventually joined. Well,
1: probably so. But Chelsea, they just signed World Cup winner Enzo Fernandez to <laughs> a record transfer fee for an English team of $132 million. Mm. Todd Bailey... I believe is now who the – the how you say his name? The yeah. new owner of Foley Chelsea.
0: Bailey, I don't know. He, he's a co-owner of the Los Angeles Dodgers.
1: Yeah. Uh, they also brought in Ukrainian superstar Mikhailo Mudrik mm-hmm. for a transfer fee of $75 million, <laughs> with an additional $35 million expected as a bonus payment. Including, uh, that's according to Shakhtar Donetsk, who was the team he was playing for.
0: Also, Chelsea going to go over to Shakhtar and play a friendly in Ukraine at some point.
1: Oh, are they really? As I did not know that. that. Deal. Very yeah. good. Well, hey – My, that's a full circle thing from where we were, where you were owned by a Russian oligarch who was funding the war against Ukraine to now this. So that's cool to see. I didn't know about that. In either case, um, this this leads to an extreme amount of money pouring into the coffers of all these other teams around the world where these players have been transferred from. Good thing or bad thing, Beam? Like, I, I, I know that it can be viewed as a bad thing because you're just buying teams that could possibly go win European championships. But the reason I ask if it's a good thing is, I mean, all these other teams are going to – Shaq Tardonics is now going to have a lot more money to deal with too, right? I mean, there's other – I'm just saying, well, I wonder which one weighs more for you on that.
0: It's all. It's always been this, this way in sports. I mean, the rich get richer, right? I mean, look at the New York Yankees. Look at their payroll. Look at the Dodgers. Look at their payroll. Look right. at the Los Angeles Lakers. Like, look at these big cities. Look at these big clubs. And it's no different – no different in soccer. I mean, look at the pay wages from a team like Southampton to a team like Manchester City. Like they don't they don't even compare. They're not comparable, but they're in the same league and they're still playing uh, the number that stood out to me the most. I, I believe since Todd Bailey joined on and bought Chelsea, he spent 550 plus million pounds um, in transfers like that's. I mean, that's a lot of coin to be dropping on players who may or may not work out. And the fact that Kai Havertz is still their striker at spending right. a half a billion dollars is mind-bending to me. Uh, but I did see Ian Dark, and I like Ian Dark, and I like his coverage of the game. And I did. it was like the voice of my childhood. Ian, Ian Dark is great, yes. Yep, he's, been on, he's still on ESPN here in the States, and I think he's on BT Sport in the UK. He tweeted... An unpopular question, but has the Premier League become a monster devouring everything around it? It's not healthy for the game if Europe's other top leagues just become a breeding ground for Premier League comes b- clubs. January spending in the Premier League. Do you know how much it was?
1: Uh, uh, as a total? I mean, well, what is... As a total spend I'm for a league. In Chelsea, how much did Chelsea spend? Two hundred and thirty to right. $250 million. Okay, so I mean... It had, well 300, over, 300 it had to be well over 300 right. million. Had to be well over 750 or fifty million dollars.
0: So La Liga has spent 25 million pounds in January in their transfer windows. Their
1: whole their entire, the league. entire league The entire league Was this is this net just to be clear? Is this net spend or total spend? Cuz net spend just means yeah, we spent a bunch of money, but we also received a bunch of money because we transferred out. So I could see that being $25 million. I, I can't this imagine. Is spend,
0: this is spend. Total spend. Okay.
1: All right. It's $25 tw- That's amazing. According to Ian Dark. I don't that's have a the number in front of me. That's, I trust Ian. Woodward. That's incredible. That's incredible.
0: The Premier League in January
1: spent 815 million pounds. Which I think that's over a billion dollars. No, I think, no I the think pound is below. Yeah, you're right. I think the pound is worth more than the dollar. It's like, below it us takes, now. The pound is. What I mean is it takes a dollar something to make a pound. Yeah. So that means it would take more dollars to make. So it's a billion. I think it's close to a billion is what well, I saw. I think saw. it's
0: the other way. It's less money. So it's like Whatever, $800 million, way, dollars, it's a lot of money. Fifteen million. It's a, lot, it's a lot of money. The it's, dollar is worth more than the pound now. Um, okay. So is it a good thing? I don't know. It's been going on, but you look at these TV deals and everything that the Premier League has done, like it's become so rich. It's become so rich over the years. And now obviously that number is inflated by what Chelsea is doing. Yeah. You spend five hundred million pounds or whatever it is since in six months. Um there I don't When it comes to the whole FIFA fair play and the UEFA fair play thing, like that's a joke. Like, I mean, what are we what are we even doing right, here? Right. Why does that even exist? If clubs want to spend, like, don't protect your own self from bankruptcies and everything. Like, sure, it's whatever, free market. You're able to do whatever you want. But is it necessarily a bad thing? I don't think so. I mean, you look at this league, and they've said, "Well, we're the most popular league in the world. Every country knows at least two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten teams." Can you name ten teams over in Syria, other than like Roma? Oh, and I know, Juventus? right? And yeah,
1: that's a t- that's you a know good what point. I mean. So
0: all these teams are so popular, they have so much money, they can spend spend their money how they want. I don't necessarily know if it's a it's a bad thing though, because people who enjoy the premiere. Like I'm not watching La Liga. Sorry, I'm not doing it. I don't, no, I don't, it's not that I, I don't mean, respect them. I'm just not watching it. I'm not watching Syria on a regular basis. And so if you're telling me that teams are going out, spending money and making their product better, that's going to give me more competitive games on a consistent basis. I will enjoy the hell out of that.
1: Yeah. The reality I think is it's twofold. One, there's no denying probably there's a factor of this. I don't know how big of a factor that America, most Americans don't speak a second language most you know what I mean like most sure. who, who you know just are not exposed to that or if they do maybe they speak Spanish mm-hmm. like that would probably be the most predominant second language in the society so you can watch English Premier League coverage you can read any blog you want to from almost any fan group for any English Premier League nope. team not just English Premier League second third fourth division teams you can find all that and it's all in English and it's easily accessible if you want to get into the Bundesliga You have to find an English-speaking version of that, which there are plenty of people that cover that. I'm just saying it's not as easy to get into the cultural stuff. It's not as easy to, like, go find a fan blog about that team from someone who grew up rooting for it in a a language you understand. On top of that, there are other – English is one of the most widely spoken languages in the world, that in Spanish. So I think there's a reason why the Premier League has not just been successful in America. It's been successful all over the world because a lot of people also can – Find that, and a big second language for a lot of people around the world is English. There are a lot of countries that teach it right alongside the native tongue. Yeah. And it's a good point. You can say imperialism, and, and sure, we can, but the point is, that's the reality, sadly, that we live in where there were imperialist forces that did all that. And so, because of that, it does broaden the appeal of English soccer. That's why their TV deals are huge. The other thing I was going to say is, there are a lot of leagues around the world where, if let's say you're a fan of a player from Argentina mm-hmm. or from South, or I don't know, any, any country in South America. If you want to say a, a country in Africa, wherever it is, right? I'm not just saying English-speaking countries or Spanish-speaking countries. If that player gets signed by a club in Spain, mm-hmm. that's a big deal. They get signed by Real Madrid, even Barcelona, that's the, that's the huge deal. Yeah. If they get signed by an English Premier League team, I feel like any English Premier League team signing a player from your country is almost the same as getting signed by Barcelona, Real Madrid, yep. Bayern Munich, Borussia Dortmund, like, and then a handful of Italian clubs. But the point being, there's only a few of them in each country that really fit that bill. Mm-hmm. Over in England, it's almost like there's 30 teams where they're that big of a deal. Right. Even though I know that's not accurate – there's just something that has happened with that English. And again, I'm speaking as an American who's lived in America his whole life, who's I've never lived in Africa. I don't know what you know, if, if you're in in various countries there, I don't know Brighton what you're seeing perceived compared to right. I don't know that I, I'm using my own perception for that. But I think that combination of a lot of people speaking a language that that is covered in coupled with the fact that that's been a measuring stick for the last 30 years of like, oh, my gosh. You go up against Arsenal twice a year if you play for that club. You go up against Manchester United. You go up against Manchester City. Even if your guy is playing for one of the lower teams in Mm -hmm. England, when you get to play against and you get to see someone that you root for on your national team playing, for, that's a big deal. So I think that's why these TV deals are so huge. And we know the TV money for the Premier League is what's now causing this extra spend. If you're in the Premier League, remember that whole thing a few years ago where, oh, no, don't. Don't get relegated because you may never get back with the money disparity. now Right. Yes. Like the money disparity between the premier league and championship is, Oh, it's astronomical. It's ghastly. Yeah. And so that money is not going to just sit there in a bank and accrue interest. It's going to get spent Yeah, and it's going to get spent on players and the other European leagues. They only have a couple of teams that have that same cache to sell a TV deal with. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, I honestly think but that's I also, one of the biggest look, struggles that we now run into. And UEFA is supposed to protect against that. They, but a lot of people around the world that I've read on this feel like UEFA has a bunch of, you know, F.A. loving Englishmen that want to protect what the Premier League is. And right. so they won't. They'll ignore the fair play rules if it's England. They won't if it's other or PSG or, or countries. Barcelona.
0: Barcelona's situation was a disaster of epic proportions. And right. They've somehow been able right. to weasel their way out of that. but. So I also look at this like there's been so much money spent that I mean that money's going somewhere. That 815 million that they spent in January is going somewhere. It's going mm-hmm. back to the clubs, yeah. Right. I mean it's going yeah. back to the clubs that you paid. Like you don't think that Shakhtar getting 80 million for you know Mudrik. Oh, that's uh, like, I mean, it's they're huge. And it, and it's, it's on, huge it's on the individual club to spend that wisely. You look at what Dortmund have done for forever, Yeah, forever. They've done this for forever. And sometimes they're really good and they have a title charge. Other times they're top four in champions league. Other times they're top two. Like they're always consistently top five team in the Bundesliga. Their business plan is to, we're going to really identify in our youth academy and youth players across Europe where we gonna we're gonna bring these guys in? We have excellent training. Where and then we're gonna sell these guys off at the age of 20, 22, 23, and make an astronomical amount, and then they're gonna go on to become one of the best players in the world. Right. So if if the game internationally, at least from the club side, is going this way, why would you not as a Benfica or a Sporting or somebody where you're pumping out talent, right? right Monaco right. a couple of yeah, years ago, look at yeah. the team, like have good youth systems. Just pump money into your youth systems and your scout. Like, I know it sounds easy. Like, I've got the world's problems fixed in no, this. No, no, no. You're, but, you're like, not that wrong. money is going somewhere. Don't spend it stupidly and identify something where you can live off of knowing that the Premier League is going to spend. They're going to have the biggest budgets. They're going to have the most dollars spent. And when you get a player that then goes off to the Premier League for a bloated price, like Enzo did yeah you know 132 million (laughs) then you spend that wisely and you're not reckless with
1: it yeah at the end of the day I look at it this way like you just brought up Borussia Dortmund why do you see players that are German national team players oftentimes they might play for Borussia with the start of their career then at the height of their popularity they end up over at Bayern Munich Mm -hmm. then after they've kind of hit their peak they end up back on Borussia Dortmund why is that is it because Bayern Munich has more money than Borussia Dortmund? Yeah, to some degree, that's true. But it's also kind of a cultural thing in Germany, I would assume. And again, not being German, where the measuring stick for yourself as a player is, oh, I got called in by Bayern Munich. I got to go. Even though I want to be loyal to this Dortmund deal and their rivals and all that, it's Bayern Munich. You know what I mean? Like, and that's your big boy. Right. And I assume that's similar, maybe wrongly, in Spain. If you're playing for a smaller club in their first division, Real Madrid calls you or Barcelona is like, we want you. I mean, you can't blame these players either for wanting that transfer to happen and not refusing it outright and saying, no, I don't care. I don't want to go there. Like they want to play where the big lights are too. So is it as simple as, oh, there's just more money and that's it? No. I mean, there's, there's different reasons in each country that are more nuanced than just the big money always wins. But at the end of the day, there's reputation. There's things like that. And the premier league, Unfortunately, for these other European soccer leagues, has more of that. But the I also, Premier League, I think, has a, a dozen teams almost that it's like. Well, if you get a chance to go play for them, how can you turn that down?
0: I also don't necessarily equate money
1: spent to goodness. Like, no, of course not. Yeah. That, it doesn't mean Chelsea's going to go win the They're league now 10th. because of this, right? I mean, they have to spend because I mean, and they spent two hundred million in July. <laughs> They've spent over six hundred million dollars the last two windows. Yeah, and and that's. So so I think what <laughs> Ian Dark and guys like him are saying yeah. is this doesn't bode well because back in my day, you had clubs that were, you know, that that could there were there were two dozen clubs, it seemed like in every country who had a chance to win English champ or European championships. Mm-hmm. That's probably not accurate either. Yeah. There probably was like about two dozen teams all over Europe that were really that good, even in the 60s and 70s and 80s. We just don't remember that as well cuz I you and I weren't alive watching that and we don't have as good of a knowledge as he does of it. I think there's some certainly some concerns about the astronomical costs. Yeah. But I also think you can't deny the business side is so lucrative it's attracting businessmen who now are worth billions and right. not millions. So the numbers are going to rise. Is it the death of soccer? No. I think it's going to like anything else. It's going to have its moment and then it's going to fade. It'll and even itself out. It will. Yeah, and other teams will rise as a part of that eventually. Probably not like Manchester United is not going to go anywhere, but you saw Manchester United have their struggles. You've seen plenty of other teams have their struggles. (laughs) So No, but you know what I mean? Like, they're a top-four team now. Liverpool. Yeah, right. I mean, all these teams have been through it at some level. Uh, Very quickly, just to wrap this up before we get going, speaking of bringing in guys that are going to draw eyeballs, right? Weston McKinney going to Leeds. Huge deal for them from the – I love it. From the business standpoint. They've basically leaned in and said, we know American eyeballs are on this team – this guy's a good player. He can boss a midfield. Let's have him come in and play. With his running mate. Yes, with his, I mean, from a U.S. soccer standpoint, it's too. It's fantastic. It's not bad that these two get to play professionally together week in, week out. I guess there's a re, there's a way that could go sideways if, you know, there's some drama at the club and then that transfers over to national team stuff. Let's hope not. But, I mean, again, the the downsides are far smaller than the upsides to this on, for me. Oh, yeah, I just look
0: at you
1: know, nations. And I feel like with the U
0: S men's national team, like there are players that are scattered all over the place, you know, I mean, just all over the place, uh, across the world, you look at Germany or you look at Spain or I guess France to some degree. I know that their players are more international than those other two that I mentioned, but let's just take Spain and Germany for yeah. a quick second. Yeah. You look at the German national team for so long was literally just like a Bayern. <laughs> it was just a Bayern Munich lineup, you know, and the familiarity of playing and, all that stuff together. Or you look at Spain for so long was just a a mashup of players at Barcelona and Real Madrid. I just think the more that you play together, the obviously the better connection that you're going to have. And I mean, let's not lose sight of this. Like this is a big deal for Weston McKinney to go over. It's not like he's coming over here for no reason. Like they signed Weston McKinney to try and drag leads out of a, spot where they get dropped. <laughs> like this is
1: a that's a big deal for them. Well, and it's interesting too, the way that this all worked out with Leeds, it's not like Weston McKinney just comes in and then is guaranteed to start. Although maybe that will be what happens, but so Jack Harrison was linked quite heavily with the move to Leicester City on deadline day, mm-hmm. to the point that Jack Harrison went to Leicester and was apparently at their facility ready to do a medical and wow. all that. Because it was a 20 million pound offer, apparently, that was on the table, according to reports, to Leeds from Leicester. Leeds decided, and basically, now maybe maybe this is all posturing by them, but they said, not worth it to us. He's worth more than that. He's a big part of what we're planning to do this year. Okay. We don't want to move him. So he didn't. He's now with the, He's staying with the club. Jesse Marsh has said he's a big part of what they're doing going Unlike forward. Unlike Anthony Gordon at Everton. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But I'm just saying, like, him and Weston McKinney play a similar role. So that's going to be an issue. You know what? Battle it out. Oh, yeah. Competition's healthy. I'm just pointing out here, this is something that it could be read that they went out and made the Weston McKinney move in part because they thought we're going to get this deal done. And then in the 11th hour, the financials weren't working out. They didn't like what they were seeing. And they just said, you know what? Better safe than sorry. We're not going to transfer him. We're going to keep him because we need to stay up. Mm -hmm. And so – that's going to be an actual issue for Weston McKinney to get on the field a little bit too. Or I mean, if nothing else, maybe he gets on the field right away and then you lose Jack Harrison as a player. But remember he was a prodigy for Manchester city back yeah. in the day. Now he's like 26 years old, still very good player, still interest in a, a lot of those teams in the English premier league have have interest in him, but he could be a big role for this team and maybe him and Weston McKinney can share the field in some way, but who else has to go You know, sit down in that point point. There's a lot of questions with this move. I'm saying it's not just as cut and dry as West McKinney just hops on the field because now he's with Leeds and that's that.
0: And that right. is inside the ropes with T-bone <laughs> from a leads point of view. Hey,
1: man, I, what do you want?
0: I, give, I, I, I thought that was great. I'll give you some, I, you I'll give you some, knew, some you actual Leeds insight you on this one for You know more about once. that situation than I do. So I, I thought that was great.
1: Hey, I'm just doing what I can, man. He's no Cicencio, right, though? That's my guy. He's fantastic. I think I said his name right. Crisensio and sure. Cisentio. Big, Big leads insider. Leads Big <laughs> Scoring goals. All right. That's it for us. Stopping shots. We'll see. Passing the ball.
0: <laughs> crosses. Corners.
1: Hey, nine goals. That's what Wes McKinney had in 70 appearances right. for. It's almost like that's in the article that I was reading.
0: It's, almost <laughs> like it's right there.
1: For Juventus. That's what he did in two and a half years. Nine goals in two and a half years. Get ready for it, leads All right. We'll see you next time. Thanks again to our producer, Bodie Wells, for Brandon Beam. I'm T bone We'll see you at the bar.